Parshas Bolak, Tavshanayin Ches. Vayar Bolak ben Sipor, as Kol Asher Osi Yisrael, the Meiri and Bolak sees everything the, uh, that was done by Klal Yisrael to the Meiri. Obviously, it was a crushing defeat that they suffered. Vayager Meiv Nehon, and Meiv is trembling in front of the nation. The Oid, very scared. Kiravu. Vayakets Meiv Nehbnei Yisrael, and they're, they're repelled by them. Vayarmer Meiv Ziknei Midyan, and they go to the Zikne Minyan, and we know the whole story. They hire Bilam. They go to the infamous Bilam, and they ask him that he should curse the Klal Yisrael. So we're going to talk about, today I want to talk about the Indian, which we're going to find about in Mitzvah, but Ayn Hara. We'll talk about a little bit about Tefillah. But first, I saw something very interesting uh, by Rabbi Yosef Liu, who uh, does a, has a, a column answering questions. And the question you're going to ask is the very name of our Sadra Bullock. Bullock was not a tzaddik, right? Bullock was the man who came and hired Bilam to curse the Jewish people. Bullock was the person who, when Bilam uh, started blessing them, said, What are you doing to me? I hired you to curse, not to bless. Bullock was the person who, when Bilam came up with the idea of having them sin with the Benos Moab, said, Wow, that's a great idea. Let's go for it. So Bullock was obviously Russian. So the question is, Dear Rabbi, I was a little shocked that the weekly Torah portion read in the synagogue on Shabbos was named after the wicked King Bullock, who was schemed to curse the Jews in the desert. Couldn't a more fitting name be found for this sedra in the Torah? Good question. Now, there are six sedras that are named after people. There are 54 sedras altogether. Let's see if you remember them. But Kairuk was a tzaddik who went wrong. He wasn't the Russian. So we have, let's just go through them. In Sefer Bresh is Noyach and Chayesara. Okay. Shmais has Yisrael. Vyikra doesn't have anybody. But Midbar has Kairach, Balak, and Pinchas. So if we take a look, Nayak was Ish Tzadik, Sarah was Sari Menu, Yisro was the Shver, and, and the great the great Ger from uh Maisha Rabbeinu's Shver. Yeah. And Kairach was he was he, he aired, but but he's looked at as a Tzadik who made a big mistake, who did a big Avera. Whether he became a Russia, he's called a Russian, but he's definitely spent a lot of his life as a tzaddik, yeah. even at the end. And then Pinchas, who Mika Pinchas, will learn about next week. Right. So Bullock is, was a good trick in the Russia. He, he, there's nothing, no redeeming qualities about Bullock. You don't find anything. So the truth is, though, I saw one shot that I'd seen before this in the Barbanel that says really Bullock was just trying to defend his country. What he did here, the Claudius was coming in, and they were going to kill out his people, and they were going to take over his land. So Bullock didn't do anything wrong, Batson. He may have had unconventional methods, because he saw that he couldn't, he couldn't defeat them by normal means, because it says, because it's so strong, and there's so many people, he couldn't stand up to them. So, but maybe what he did could be justified. But this Rabbi Lu says another very nice thing. He says, if you take a look at the at the parsha, you'll notice that there's a common thread of many things that happens through this parsha, and that is the concept of transformation. That there are things you see can be transformed, min ha which means from one end to the other. Normally, we are creatures of habit, like the proverbial milk horse, that we just go on our way. The matter of fact, the Basil Shisharim begins in his Agdama and says we're all like a horse with blinders. We just are going from here 
started from the beginning till the end. We're just going on one way. We're not thinking about anything. We're not looking at the world around us. We're 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 finished. But in Bilam, in Balak, Parshas Balak, you find a tremendous amount of transformation going on. You find people moving from one end of the world to the other. And he gives a number of examples. And he gives a number of examples. He says, first of all, there's a donkey here. Now, we don't never heard of talking donkeys. So here you have a chamor, who's the most... Um, Gashmius of all creatures, right? We've talked often about the chamor is brown because it's the color of the earth, and the chamor talks. You have clawless, real clawless that he wanted to give. They're turned into brachas. You have the Jewish people, unfortunately, going the other direction. You have these people who are so high, and they were in Har Sinai, and they achieved such kedusha, ending up Nebuchadnezzar's Moab. And finally, you say, say that all of the prophecies of Bilam, all the things that Bilam said, we're talking about Yemaisa Mashiach. Everything he said can be applied to the Yemaisa Mashiach. And that's what he's talking about. So he's talking about the transformation of the whole world. And ultimately, the one who was transformed the most was none other than Bullock himself. Because we know we were not that long ago, we were in Shavuos. And when we were in Shavuos, what did we read? We read Rus. And we read about the history of Rus. And Rus was the descendant of Balak. So Balak himself transformed from the person, the Balak who was the Russia, and he became the Tzadegis who was Rus. And he was even, she's called the Imashal Malchus, the mother of the, of, of the Malchus of Beis David. But Balak is Ben Zayda. Balak was, was the Zayda. It's hard to believe. If you take a Malchus Beis David, Balak was part of that chain. So Balak himself was transformed. So he says, therefore we see that the parsha could be called Balak. We asked the question before, why do we call Balak if Balak was Russia? There are six parshas named after five were tzaddikim. And this one is why we name after her. The answer was he became a tzaddik. Ultimately through his generations. There must have been within the kernel the seed of something good in there because it ended up in Rus. And Rus became the Elisha Malchus. He says, what's the message for us? Transforming ourselves in our lives is not easy. And this is especially true when we're dealing with difficulty or crisis. There's often the most challenging situations that lead to the greatest gains. We realize instead of submitting to the pressure, we can use it for personal growth and development. We have the most sublime experience of transformation. So I think it's a very beautiful shot from Rabbi Lou, who, uh, who gives us an insight into why we call it Parashas Bullock. And that's why Bullock was Zaycha, because Bullock wasn't just Stamagai. He was just another king. Balak was the, was the one who ultimately ended up in Rus, who ended up in Davina Melech. So Balak was there, and he truly is worthy, um, after all, of having a partial named after him. Okay, let's go on to another, let's do a few psukim. Let's go to Perakhov base of Pasuk And we'll find something interesting about Balak. We're talking about, we don't have time, unfortunately, to learn through. It would be nice to learn Pasuk by Pasuk by Pasuk. But uh, because of the uh, <coughs> pressures of time, we're just going to do a little bit. So they come to him, as we know the famous story, and uh, they come to him with the messengers, and Bilaam says, hey, I can't do what Hashem didn't tell me to do, and uh, sorry. So they go back. So comes along bigger messengers, and in Pasi Yud base, page 448, base, Pasi Yud base. So he tells them again, Vayomer, and he says to them, um, before that, he says, one second, I'm sorry, Yudches, 
Now he tells the Abde Bolak, immediately Bolak Maloy Baysai Kassav, he gives me his house full of gold, full of silver. Vizov and gold, Lo Uchulavar as P at the mouth of Hashem Elokai, Hashem our God. Lasus Katana Gudaiva. So he tells them when they come to him for the first time, and he hasn't done anything wrong yet, he hasn't gone against Hashem's will, he says Hashem Elokai, Hashem my God. So, uh, they, if you take a look, says Rashi, if you look in Gimel, when after things start going sour and he's refusing to make, you know, he's not telling, uh, he's not telling him what he wants, he's giving him brachas instead of clothes, so Bullock starts getting mad at him. Right? Take a look, move to page 452. Bullock, Please do it from there. So what does he do? He takes him state siphon and he tells him, you know, let's try it again. And it do, again, it doesn't go the second time. It just does his geitnish. It's still not going. So they go a third place. And finally, he's really, really mad at him. And he tells him, listen, you know, I keep telling you to curse. And you don't do it. So listen to what his Bilims tells him. Now listen to this carefully. It says, Almost the same language. If you give me, didn't I tell you? If you give me your house full of silver and gold, didn't I tell it? I can't do what Hashem didn't say. When Hashem says that's what I'm doing, I told you. Rashi notices something. A word's missing. The first time he said Hashem Elokoi, Hashem our God, and the second time he just said Hashem, he didn't say our God. Says Rashi, I want to, you know what that means? He says because the second time he knew Hashem was angry at him, and he no longer said Hashem our God. He no longer felt that. He felt distance from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and he could no longer say it with a full heart. When he was so starting, he'd say Hashem our God. And then he says, and later on he says, Hashem Elokeichem, Hashem your God. Because he knew that a Kodesh Baruch was unhappy with him. So at each point, as he became distanced from a Kodesh Baruch it went from our God to God to your God. Because at each point along the way, he realized that he was that a Kodesh Baruch must be angry with him, and it's interesting. It gives another place where you have the same type of thing. It says by there was a navi called Ido Hanavi. It was when Yeruv Ben Nevat started going off the derech. So it was a navi called Ido Ido Hanavi, and when he came to uh, to Yeruvim, so Yeruvim put his hand out to grab him. Said, "Grab, grab that man, arrest him." Right? He tells him, tells his his servants, arrest him, and his hand withered. His hand withered, and he told the Navi, could you daven for me that Hashem should bring back my hand, should come back. Is anyone familiar with this story? The story? Okay, it's a story in Tanakh. That he, that he was, uh, it's a story in uh, the, the Medjistan Chuma says it. It says, The Mizbeach will fall apart, it fell apart, he's trying to rest him. And listen to what he says. The Melech Zichad says, El Ish Elohim, now here we're talking about Yeruvim ben Nevot. 
Yerod Mendevot was such a tzaddik at the beginning that he walked together. It says that he walked together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, and David HaMelech, right? The famous Maisi, who was walking with Hashem. And here he says, Elokecha. And the question is, why did he say Elokecha? And the same answer, because he knew that Hashem was angry at him and he did not feel close to Hashem. So we have to understand that when we're coming to the Rebbeinah Shalom, and we're doing things that we shouldn't do, we realize every single thing we do distances us a little bit from the Rebbeinah Shalom. And we have to be careful not to do that. But we have to know something else as well. And that'll be in the story that I'm about to tell you. There's a story that Rabbi Yeshua Heschel Brim, who's a great Rosh Hashim in Eretz Yisrael, the, his name was Rabbi Yeshua Brim, and um, he was once in his sukkah, and he's sitting with all his Talmidim, and the, the Yidin Yerushalayim used to come to him, and everybody, he was a big Rosh Hashim, and everybody used to come to him. And he sees standing on the side is a Bacher, and the Bacher's looking very nervous, like he wants to ask him something, but he's embarrassed. So he says, uh, oh, you know, younger, younger Bacher, what, did, what do you want to ask me? He says, ah, I can't ask you, I'm too embarrassed. You know, it's not to die, but something's been like just, I'm, I'm having very big difficulty with my davening. I don't know what to do. I have difficulty with my davening. So uh, he wants to make you feel comfortable. He says, don't worry about it. You know, you can ask me now. You, even in front of the whole Olam, obviously he was very nervous, you know, in front of all this hush of people. But he says, okay. We'll ask him the question. He says, he says maybe you have a problem with Kavana. Maybe you have a problem coming late to davening. He says, no, no, that's my, my problem. So he says, what's your problem? Listen to what he says, this Bokhar tells him the problem. He says, I don't understand something. When I speak to you, or I speak to any Rosh Shiva, I always speak in the third person. Right? You say, the Rav said, the Rosh Shiva said, the Rebbe said, you don't speak, you speak out of Choshim. And you speak to the, what? Yes, you say, not do. Ear, not do. I, oh, my mother used to, yeah, I remember my mother telling me, when I said do, she'd never say do, we interview your mother, you know, he's a ear. Yeah, we get, I know, you get in trouble. I know, you have grandson. Yeah, you have to so, not. not so he says, I don't understand. If you have to have such derech heretz, or a boss of a dom. How do you feel? Why, when we speak to the Rebbein do we say, Baruch Atah? Why do we say you? I, we should say, Baruch Hashem, Sha'asli, Kalzeh. We should speak in third person. Why do you speak? Why do we talk to everybody? Say, Atta. So he says the whole sukkah got quiet. Because they realized this Bacher is, this is the biggest thing bothering this Bacher. He must be Knaiara. They were very impressed with the question. And he turns to Yeshua Brim and he says, The difference is, is that when you speak to your father, you speak in first person. Talk to, you talk to your father, you feel a closeness, you can talk to him in first person. He says, And since we feel the Rebbein Shem's Unzeratata, we can have the chutzpah to speak to him in the first person. It says, Who is the great nation that Hashem is close to them? Whenever you want to beach the Rebbeinu Shalom. He says, that's, that's the difference. So he says, so we realize that at the same time, that maybe sometimes we distance ourselves from the Rebbeinu Shalom. And we go away from the Rebbeinu Shalom. But as opposed to somebody who we, let's say a person, regular person, that we distance ourselves from, we do something we shouldn't do. So a person turns away from us. Person leaves, he doesn't want to have to do with us anymore. But the Rebbe Yishlam is like a father, and the Tata always wants to be with the child. Tata never gives, never, ever, 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 never gives up on a child. And therefore, even though perhaps we came far from the Rebbe Yishlam, we can always do tshuva. And that's what happened to Rebbe with his Rebbe, 
There was a famous Rameh had a Rebbe called Acher, and Rebbe Ben Avuya who went off the derech, and he said he went to his Rebbe, he said, Chazorbach, do tshuva, and you can come back. And he said, it can't happen, I can't uh, do tshuva. I heard there was a boss called, I can't do tshuva. And Rameh said, no, you could do tshuva. And he died crying, and he said, I feel he did tshuva in his last minute. So there's always tshuva, and it can always be there. So unfortunately, Bilam was far from the Rebbein Hashem, but those who are far, even if they're far, they can always come back to Rebbein Hashem. Now we have a Pusik. Moving on, we have a Pusik, which is an amazing Pusik. If you go and pair Dalit, Chav Dalit, Pusik, base, and this is, we start our davening every single day of our lives. We start with this Pusik, walk into the Shul, and you say this Pusik. Let's take a look and pair Chav Dalit, right at the beginning. And we get... Vayar Bilam. It's page uh, 454. He sees that Hashem wants him to give bracha to Klal Yisrael. So he's going to do it. He's going to come and he's going to give him a bracha. And Bilam picks up his eyes. And he sees Klal Yisrael by its Shvatim. And it goes on and tells us until we get to the beautiful Pasuk that tells us Pasuk Matoivu Alecha Yaakov Mishkanai Secha Yisrael How beautiful is everything that you have and we see he says he's so excited by seeing Klal Yisrael and he tells us in Pasuk Hey Matoivu Alecha Yaakov Mishkanai Secha Yisrael and he talks about how beautiful Klal Yisrael is. And there's a famous Rashi that says, what was so beautiful about the Yohalech Yaakov that he got so excited by? So it says Rashi, so first shot is, how beautiful is the base of Mikdash? And then Rashi tells us a pshat, another pshat, it's a long Rashi, but he tells us also because their doors were not lined up against each other. So that they should not, one should not look into the door of the other one. Everybody, oh, welcome back. Everybody should stay in their own tent and they shouldn't look out of where they were. So we learn over here this idea. <coughs> now, Pashib Shah is why should you not look from one tent to another? It's not sneeze. People are in their houses, they're maybe not, you know, ungeclated the way they should be in the street. You'll see things you shouldn't see. Therefore, the houses are not lined up. But Chazal tells us there's another reason why and why the windows are not lined up one to the other. And that's because of Ein That the person should not, look into another person's house and see their beautiful jewelry and see their beautiful silver and see all their furniture and become jealous and give an Ein And therefore the Klal Yisrael is very careful about this Indian of Ein As a matter of fact, it says that Bilam, what was he known for? And we talk in Pirkei Avis, last week's uh, parak. It says, "Ayin Hara, Hara, And Ayin Hara is one of those things that chases a person out of the world. And also, what does it say that from? What is the things that say Bilam is different than Avram Avinu? Is because Avram Avinu had an Ayin Taiv, and Bilam Nabuch had an Ayin Ra. So we see there's this tremendous union of being careful, and that was really how Bilam worked, by giving an Ayn Hara, that was his secret weapon, is the Ayn Hara that he gave. 
So I'd like to talk a little bit for the rest of the year and go into this concept that we have of an Ein Hara. What exactly does the Ein Hara do? How do we keep ourselves protected from the Ein Hara? And how serious is this concept of an Ein Hara in our, in, even today? So there's a story to start. There's a story with Avram Horowitz. That's all I know it was. But he learned by the stipler. And one time, a man came in to ask the stipler the following shaila. He says they went into a new, uh, a new apartment, and uh, the, uh, they were very happy to be there. But they found that there was a neighbor that every time their kids went out to play, the neighbor made a big deal of how nice they are and how beautiful they are, and made a whole thing over them. And they were worried, they, they, and they would come back home, and they would all have uh, headaches and all, all sorts of uh, intestinal problems. And they started to worry that maybe it's because the neighbor gave them an Einhara. Gave an Einhara because they say, oh, beautiful children, so not this. You know, he gave an Einhara because maybe she was jealous and gave an Einhara. So the wife wanted to move out. The wife said, we've got to move somewhere else. This is not, not working for us. So this Ram Horowitz obviously gave a little little chuckle. I mean, that's kind of extreme, you know, because you think that maybe they're giving you an Ayn Hara, the neighbors are giving you an Ayn Hara so you can move out. So they, you know, he just gave a little thing. So Stipler gave him a, a hard look. It says, Im ha-gemara kavash Ayn Hara mazik, if the Gemara tells us Ayn Hara's mazik, mitzius kayemis, it's a mitzius. That means there is such a concept, said the Stipler. Don't, don't lighten it. Don't machavek with it. Don't think it's just, you know, whether there is here or not, we'll, do, we'll pass in a shayla. But the whole concept that there is such a thing called an ayin hara, there obviously that the stipler said that we have to be chayish for the ayin hara. You know, this thing that we'll talk about, you know, the, the expression, I just will give a teaser question that I was thinking about that when I, I know that when you talk about ayin hara, so everybody says, kanayin hara. Right? When you say something like, how many children do you have, how many grandchildren do you have, you say, Kanayinahara. So what's, you know, I don't know what the meaning is by this far, but but I know by us, you say, Kanayinahara on these things, because you don't, because you want to show that you're not giving an Ayinahara to the person you're doing it, you mean it, you don't mean it, in a way that could cause them any sort of a damage. So how do we understand uh, this, this whole understanding of an Ayinahara? Where, where does it come from? So it's interesting that when we when Rashi talks about the whole the thing of the Ayin Hara, so it says Matovo Yisrael. So Rashi says it in a way that lays He says that their doorways were not near each other. So that you should not look into your chaver. Not the other way. It doesn't say your chaver shouldn't look into you, but you shouldn't look into your chaver, which seems to imply that the Indian of an Ayin Hara goes mamish in both directions. In the, in the direction, it goes in the direction of the person who's getting it and protecting himself, but also shows how careful a person has not to give another person Ayin Hara. And that's why the Mishnah tells us that a person should always be Sameach Bechelka. Because Sameach Bechelka is not just a matter of it's nice for you to be happy with what you've got. But if you're happy with your, you have, you also won't damage somebody else. If you're not happy with what you have, and you're always jealous of someone else, you're damaging the other person, Pastor Shalom, through the Ayin Hara. See, the Gemara tells us, it's very interesting, because the Gemara says like this, the Gemara in uh, Chagiga says, Ya ani yusa lihudai, Ya fe anius liyisrael, that anius is good for the Jewish people, poverty is good for the Jewish people. 
So we start. So pashup shot. I, now this way, I've always understood it, is that the more money you have, like the more you, you're busy with. The more they want. Well, the more you want. That's true. The more that's good. The more you want. But it's also the more you're busy. You're always busy with your money. If, if, if I don't have a car and I only use Ubers, you know, like I'm not spending all my time fixing my car. You know, whatever it is. I just give you an example. And the Gemara says, Ki barza sumka Like a red, I think a barza, what's a barza saddle? What's a barza? Okay, we'll have to look it up. I didn't, I didn't look up in my Hebrew English dictionary. But I think barza, probably a saddle, probably a saddle. A red saddle is very nice for a white horse. So what is, what's the Gemara? The Gemara, when the Gemara says something like that, I remember I had a Rebbe who used to say the word clomer. When Rashi says the word clomer, means it's, that means what Rashi says he's saying it's holding up like the, the traffic people do you know big stop sign stop here and listen so whenever the Chazal says something it's like a red saddle and a white a horse they go they didn't give this example just in the Velterine they were telling us like, listen what they say he was telling us it says like this so it's like a red saddle or whatever bars is Risma it says come on Risma okay but anyways see so the Chazim will blend the Zayda my elder Zayda, the husband says like this why did they use this example so he says what happens the, 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 the rider takes his horse out for the day and he puts a nice red saddle on it so that everybody should see how nice his horse is he has a nice red saddle and a white horse what does he do when he gets back to the barn he takes the saddle off because nobody's looking, it doesn't matter anymore I don't need to, I don't need to show it off says the Chayza, when it says poverty is good for the Jewish people, it doesn't mean it literally. It means they should show poverty to the outside, but when they get home, that's when they should show their wealth. Inside of your own house, you can, you can live like a king. But when, the minute you go outside, be careful. Don't show it, because chas v'shom can cause an ayin hara. Can you show that all off, and people are jealous of you? That causes the ayin hara. And he brings... That the ayin hara, the chazanish says that the ayin hara, as we said before, that the machshavas that a person has can make a difference. And if we have machshava jealousy and of ayin hara, we can actually damage the other person. So therefore, when you're outside, Yusuf says the chayz that when you're outside, show poverty. But when you're inside, you can be who you are, just like the horse, which is the opposite. They want to show it on the outside, and when they came home, yeah, says what? That, that's next. You got it. The next thing he says is Altisrov Bader. This is this was the advice that Yaakov gave Altisrov Bader. So normally we again we normally understand that don't that Yaakov told his sons when they were going back to Mitzrayim don't show when they when when they were talking about going back to Mitzrayim don't show that you have all that money because people are jealous. Now Pashup Shad is the Altisrov. Yeah, that, that Yaakov said Altisrov. Don't show off that you have money. You know, so Rashi says they had money at that time. They had food, but don't show everybody. So Pashup Shaz will get jealous, or they'll come and steal it, or whatever. But he's saying that there's an Ayn Haranval, that they'll see that you have, and they'll become jealous from what you have. You know, we know Friday night, we say Shalom Aleichem. And everybody asks the Kasha that it's a very interesting, the guests, the Malachim. I've never chased out my guest before, Kiddush. Never, you know, you have a guest. So you, at best, you say, even if they're friends that are leaving, they just came over to visit, you say, stay for Kiddush, you know, so eat something, you know. 
So what do we do with the Malachim Nebuch? Shalom Aleichem? Before we say Kiddush, say Salam Shalom Adir. What's the reason for that? So the Chavetz Chaim says, because we don't want that maybe the Malachim will stay and they'll see that our Jewish house is not what it should be. Maybe our suit is not what it should be. And we'll get an Ayn Hara from the Malachim. We'll get that they'll look at us and they'll say, oh, this is what's going on over here. So says the Chafetz Chaim, Besser Nisht, Shana Vakshim Hashivarachedi, we want a bracha? And they'll stay with us. They'll look around. I'm not sure. Maybe won't find favor in their eyes. That our house looks like a Jewish house. They may not want to give us a bracha. So who knows? Therefore, says the Chavetz Chaim, that when the Malachim come in, so we have to be very careful with them. He says a very cute story. He says he once met a man uh, who looked very down. And he, was, he said he was nicely dressed. He wore a new suit. He was wearing a beautiful new suit. And he looked depressed. So he says to him, what are you depressed for? You're wearing this nice, beautiful suit. He says, that's exactly it. He said, I, you know why I wore this suit? He says, I don't need a new suit. He says, I wore this suit because I wanted to impress everybody and to show them that I'm dressed up nicely for them. And not one person came over and said anything about it. Nobody came and thanked me for having my new suit. So he says, I'm like, what would I spend this all money for? It's known, if you've ever seen a picture of the Chazaynish, it's interesting. He wears, like, his hat is, he said he wore the same hat from the time of his class in his whole life. He didn't even know he had it, 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 it looks, I mean, yeah, exactly. Because, but it was the Kavana. The Chazaynish didn't do anything not the Kavana. Chazanish didn't do it. For, he could have, believe he could afford a new hat. There's a famous story. One of the stories they tell is the Rav, who the Shul wanted to buy him a new hat, and he refused. He, they said, "Why? We're, gonna, we're not charging. It'll be free." He says, "The new hat's going to cost me thousands of dollars." So he says, "What are you talking about?" He says, "I'm going to come home with my new hat." So my wife's going to say, "Such a beautiful new hat with that dusty beckish of yours, with that rackle. You got to get a new rackle." So I'll go out and get a new rackle and say, look at your shoes. It doesn't pass to have shoes like that with this rackle. So I have new shoes. Then she'll start saying, you know, the furniture doesn't, not, you know, I can't be a person dressed like you should have this old furniture, not the furniture. So by the time I'm done, if you lost $1,000, do me a favor, keep the hat, you know, don't buy it for me. But the bottom line here, we're talking about a different thing. We're talking about the Ayn Hara part of it, and that the person has to be very careful, uh, you know, that, that sometimes, unfortunately, we dress up in order to... Um, just to impress people, he says that's really one of the, one of the problems that we have. One thing that we we, uh, we atone for on Yom Kippur is Sikur Ayin. What's that Sikur Ayin? So it's a pasuk. It's a pasuk in, in Yeshaya that the pasuk tells Yan ki gavu benoist Zion vate lat the two years garin. They go with like this, you know, umas masakas enayim, and they make their eyes beautiful and what haughty in a haughty way. And the purpose is, there's even an expression in it, you want to knock someone's eyes out. That you want to knock their eyes out by showing what you've got. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that led actually to the Kurban Abayas, was because of that. One of the things they say that led to the Kurban Abayas was the fact that people were starting to no longer live really so much for themselves. They were starting to live just to impress other people. They lost their sense of value of life. And that led to an Ayn Haram. And then just two more things, and then we'll, I'd like to... Uh, like sort of wrap it up on the other side of the of the equation. He says, even in Tvar Mitzvah, it says that the Chazal tell us there were two luchos. And we know that the first luchos was given with lightning and thunder and all sorts of excitement. 
And the second luchas was given quietly after doing Averas, after Nebuchadnezzar the Egel came the second one. And Rukhaim Pelagi, it's a famous Rukhaim Pelagi, says, why was the reason for that? That, that um, in the famous Maimir Chazal, that the reason for that is because the first one was given to Pumbi and the second one was given quietly. So the first one had an Ayn Hara. It says that, you know, everybody was watching. There was an Ayn Hara was given to it because look at the Jewish people. Everyone's feeling their oats, so to speak, and everyone's looking at it. He, Rukhaim Pelagi says an interesting halacha. It's a halacha lemaisa that on Rosh Hashanah, the Shlich Tzibur, is not allowed to be the Baltokeya. The person who dominates the omen should not, I mean, unless you don't have anybody else who can do it, so you're stuck. But if you can't, it shouldn't be the same person. Why not? Says Rechaim Plagi Shum Sakonis Ayin Hara, because Sakon of the Ayin Hara. Sharab Yismu, Loma Kaycha got always the same. Wow, look at him, look at him, he's got so much Kayach. The Kazim, Shemai Sahayi Be Izmer, there was a story in the city of Izmer. In Turkey, he got sick and he never recovered from it because he fell into that to that pach of having an ayin hara. So how careful we have to be from an ayin hara. So I was saying that when we tell, when we talk about things, we say kinayin hara. So you say, what does that mean? You know, kinayin hara, Does that mean like you say, nitshabas gret over? You know, Shabbos didn't do it, but, well, listen. No, that's the Pshad is that you're saying, I want to say something, but I don't want to give an Ayin Hara. I'm davening HaKadosh Baruch that what I say should not give an Ayin Hara. So I just want to say we have to look at the other side of this, of this coin as well. I think, he has, uh, let's see if we have time. Uh, okay. I want to look at the other side of the coin as well. We're talking about how much a person has to protect himself from, from an Ayin Hara. And he has many other stories. We don't have time to go into all of them. But you have to protect yourself from nine heart. You have to live quietly. You have to live still. You have to be unusually strong, not be out there showing off. But on the other hand, we have to also be so careful never to chastron give an ayin heart. We have to be very careful never to fall into the kinna because ayin heart is the etzim is the kinna that we feel for another person and it causes a kitrug in shemayim. If you remember, we once said that when you talk, a person talks lashon heart about another person, it opens up in shemayim the basin of his Averas, and they look and they say, oh, we weren't thinking about that. Thank you for bringing it to our attention that you did this Avera. Let's think about it. So we spoke about that once. But the same thing is Ainara. If a person sees another person and is jealous of that other person and wants that other person, bad opens up the Kittrig and Shemaim about him. There's a story about Novel Carmeli. You know who Novel Carmeli was? He was the husband of, of Abigail. And, and he was, David HaMelech had him, he was married by Malchus, and he was put to death, and so on. But it, later on, he caused the Kittrig and Shemayim against David HaMelech. It says that they met, and he made, whatever the story was. But it says in Chazal, he was thrown out of the Mechitz of HaKadosh Baruch because he caused pain to another Jew, because he caused sorrows for another Yid. And he, therefore, he's, Hashem says, I don't want him in my Mechitzah. So how careful we have to be never to give another yid an ayin hara. So in the same way that we have to protect ourselves from this very powerful thing called ayin hara, we have to be careful not to give others ayin hara. So the Pasuk tells us that Bilam was amazed. How beautiful are your tents that you're so careful not to give another an ayin hara and to protect yourselves from ayin hara to make sure that everything you do is erlich hate. And what's the opposite of the Ayin Hara? Is the Ayin Toiva. 
And that's what we really have to do. We have to look at all of each other with the Ayin Toiva, because in the same way it says that the good is 500 times the bad. So if an Ayin Hara causes all that sars and all that problems, can you imagine how much an Ayin Toiva helps a person? So every time we give another person ayin toiva, and we're blamed on the person, we say good things about the person, we think good things about the person, it also opens up Shemayim to judge him favorably. So Alavai, we should, the lesson that we should come out of this center, we should just come out of the center, never chashom, give an ayin hara, but always to give an ayin toiva, and then we'll truly learn the good lesson from Parsha's Balak. And I should